Since they got elected, members of the squad, the far left progressive Democrats, have been accused of illegal activities, campaign finance violations, or other unethical acts. Recently, in a story from ProPublica, they talk about how Rashida Tlaib is stonewalling the Office for Congressional Ethics while they're investigating potential ethics violations. We have a story from last year about how Ocasio-Cortez may have illegally paid her boyfriend so he could move to New York to be with her, which brings me to today's story. In a shocking twist, Ilhan Omar has just come out and admitted a relationship with a man she was accused of illegally funneling money to. Now, that story between her and this guy is extremely complicated. There's, you know, the guy's wife coming out saying that he declared her love for Ilhan. Ilhan was accused of paying off her husband a large sum of money so he would stay quiet, denying the whole thing. And this plays into the ongoing scandal around Ilhan Omar's past campaigns, campaign finance violations, but also whether or not she actually married her brother. This is just getting so, so strange that we actually have another big story about the far left Democrats. And to me, it's, it's, it is kind of shocking to see that these progressives would absolutely excuse this overt corruption if it meant getting rid of the Democratic establishment. Because for me, I wouldn't want to replace crony establishment elites with corrupt individuals who would probably do the exact same things. I mean, what Ilhan Omar is doing seems overt and obvious. In fact, she just comes out and posts a, 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 a photo on Instagram saying, yep, we're married after previously denying there was a relationship at all. Lending credence to the idea that she was paying this guy through her campaign so he could travel around with her because they were having an affair. Now, the FBI is apparently looking into claims she married her brother. We'll see how far it goes. But this This is just getting crazy. Let's get started with the latest news. Ilhan Omar announces marriage to Tim Minette in Instagram post. Now, now for most of you seeing that headline, you'd probably be like, so what? Congratulations on getting married. This is the guy who divorced his wife. His wife claims that he was having an affair. This is the guy that Ilhan Omar was accused of illegally funneling money to. She denied the affair. And if there was no affair, there's no real motive for paying for this guy to travel around with her other than work. But if it's, as, it, as it turns out, they were legit in a relationship, which shows that it may actually be probable, nay likely, that she was paying this guy to romp around with her. Let's read the story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are several ways you can give. However, the best thing you can do is just share this video. YouTube suppresses content like this. There's actually a lot of things I can't talk about right now showing you that, well, censorship is a big problem on YouTube. But if you do think these videos are good, please consider sharing them. But more importantly, many of you have not subscribed. And if you want to make sure you get these videos every day, because I post them every day at 4 p.m., subscribe, hit the notification bell. Otherwise, it may come to a point where YouTube just stops showing these videos. But let's read the first story from Fox News. Rep Ilhan Omar shared some personal news Wednesday night. She's a new bride. Well, in that regard, congratulations. The Minnesota Democrat posted on Instagram a photo of herself and her former political consultant, Tim Minette, got married from partners in politics to life partners. So blessed. Alhamdulillah. She wrote in the caption, ending with the Arabic word that translates in English to praise be to God. Word of a romance between Omar Minette became more than just talk last August when Minette's then-wife, Beth Minette, filed for divorce from her 38-year-old husband. In her court papers, Beth Minette claimed her husband's traveling and work hours may have been more related to his affair with Omar than to his actual work commitments. The Minettes split 
was finalized in December. Beth and Tim Minette are parents of a teenage son. Last October, Omar filed for divorce from her husband, Ahmed Hersey, the father of their three children. There has been an irretrievable breakdown of the marriage relationship, Omar claimed in court documents filed on her 30th birthday. Omar claimed neither partner was seeking an order of protection, and she asked the court to grant them joint legal, legal and physical custody of their three minor children. The Omar Hersey divorce was finalized in November, according to the reports. Hersey then found a new girlfriend and remarried just 37 days later in Somalia, the New York Post reported. Hersey posted a photo of himself and a woman believed to be his new wife on Instagram in January. Quote, I look forward to this new chapter in my life and I ask all of you to join me in celebration. He captioned the photo, but over on Ilhan Omar's Instagram. Interestingly, there are many people cheering her on and saying congratulations. And, you know, look, if the story was just her getting married and finding happiness, I got no, no issue with that. Congratulations on finding someone you truly care about. And they look like they're very happy. The problem is campaign finance violation. Back in August, Ilhan Omar was hit with an FEC complaint accused of paying alleged Paramore's travel expenses with campaign funds. As we now know, it's not an allegation that it's, that's, that, that it's her Paramore. They got married. She, look, she wanted to marry the guy. She really had no choice but to come out and say she did. But it's kind of shocking to me because now it lends credence to the idea that you wanted this guy to be flying around the country or, or whatever with you. So you were paying him to do so. And it had nothing to do with campaigns. You cannot use campaign money for personal use. This is excellent evidence and circumstantial that she was doing just that. Let's read the story from Fox News. They say the conservative Virginia based National Legal and Policy Center filed a complaint against Rep. Ilhan Omar from Minnesota with the Federal Election Committee on Wednesday, alleging that the lawmaker used campaign funds to illegally reimburse her purported paramour for personal travel expenses. That's what the guy's wife was saying. Come on, man. Are we going to get an investigation into this? The guy's wife said he wasn't traveling for work. He was having an affair. Uh, this, this organization filed a complaint saying she was paying him because they were having an affair. Come on, man. That's enough, right? Start an investigation, dig into this. The complaint also charges that Omar failed to itemize travel reimbursements as required by the FEC Act, the Federal Election Campaign Act of 1971, and that the travel expenses increased during the same month that Omar's alleged affair with married Washington, D.C. political consultant Tim Minette he, heated up. Come on. She's just come out and admitted the relationship. The, when, when, the, when the affair allegedly started, she began giving him more money. How obvious. The complaint was filed one day after it emerged that Beth Minette, 55, submitted divorce papers in Washington, D.C. Superior Court, claiming her husband suddenly informed her earlier this year that he was having an affair with Omar. Omar has denied that she had an affair with Minette, and her attorneys have dismissed the FEC complaint as a baseless political ploy. When asked on Tuesday by WCCO if she was separated from her own husband and if she was dating anyone, Omar replied, no, I am not. As I said yesterday, I have no interest in really allowing the conversation about my personal life to continue, and so I have no desire to discuss it. Well, she also contradicted that by posting a photo saying she married a guy. If she did not want her personal life and her personal business and dirty laundry aired to the public, she shouldn't be posting that stuff. Omar's campaign paid Minette's E Street Group LLC around $230,000 for fundraising consulting, digital communications, internet advertising, and travel expenses since 2018. Federal election records indicate most of those payments occurred after election day last year. 
eight disbursements from Ilhan's uh, campaign to the E Street Group for travel expenses totaling $21,546.94 were not itemized. FEC rules, the NLPC said, require that such travel expenses, expenses list the individual be- benefiting from the arrangement as well as the date of the proposed uh, and purpose of the payment. You got to tell them why they traveled. And apparently she didn't itemize it. Could it be she did not have a legitimate reason for this man to fly with her? NLPC said that Omar's team instead only listed E Street as the payee and contained no details on the trips. Well, like Ilhan Omar said, she doesn't want her personal life to be aired out in the public, right? Although Manette's formal relationship with Rep Omar's campaign began July 2018, with the payment of $7,000 directly to Minette, the reimbursements for Minette's travel did not commence until April 2019, the same month that Dr. Minette alleges in her filing that her husband told her of the affair and made a shocking declaration of love for Rep. Omar. They got married. Come on. We're looking back on this. Hindsight is 2020 now, I guess. It appears that Minette's travel, as purport, reported by Ilhan for Congress, may have been unrelated or only partially related to Omar's campaign. The, co- the complaint continued, noting that romantic companionship is not a legitimate reason to spend campaign funds on travel. And look, a lot of people might say that she would try to use a, a loophole like, oh, you can hire your girlfriend if you just you know, claim a leg- legitimate reason. No, human beings are not, well, for the most part, robots. If you try claiming this and they look at it, they're going to say, no, I've talked about finance with a lot of business people in terms of my business. You're not going to pull the, you pull a fast one on the government investigations. They're going to say, why did this person travel with you? She'll make up a reason. Oh, he's a consultant. Consulting for what? Why? No, we don't buy it. You married the guy. Responding to the complaint, David Mitrani, counsel to Ilhan for Congress and the E Street Group, said in a statement that any accusation made that our clients acted to skirt the law in any way is absolutely false and completely unfounded. East Street Group provides multiple different services to Ilhan for Congress. Multiple different services. Hey, under an arm's length contract, arm's length, huh? Fundraising, digital advertising and the like. As a part of those services, the principals of East Street Group travel around the country fundraising for the congresswoman. There is nothing untoward about this, nor anything illegal about it. And the complaint even misstates the law on travel reimbursements, as it is not required for payments to vendors, only for payments specifically to individuals. Legal experts said the payments were not necessarily illegal because Omar's apparent personal connections to Minette, as long as they were for bona fide campaign expenditures, which now may not be the case. And now with her admission, I personally think there's grounds to look into this. In June, Minnesota campaign finance officials found that Omar repeatedly violated state rules when she used campaign funds to pay for personal out-of-state travel, as well as help on her tax returns, Omar was ordered to reimburse her former campaign committee $3,500. She has a history of doing this. She's done it before. Come on, man. I can't believe so many progressives are standing behind her. You do not let these people just walk all over you. You, have, you will get nothing from me in complaining about the corruption of the crony establishment Democrats than ignoring what this woman is doing. Sorry. I'm not interested in that. The Minnesota Campaign Finance and Public Disclosure Board said the first term congresswoman must pay the state a $500 civil penalty for using campaign money to travel to Florida, where she accepted an honorarium. You mean to tell me she's used campaign money for personal travel before? Come on. You, 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 you follow on this one? Well, let's, let's check this out. Let's, let's move on. The Daily Mail reported earlier last month, uh, mid last month, Ilhan Omar's husband, 
discovered she was cheating on him with her chief fundraiser when he walked in on the lovers in pajamas. And now the congresswoman is paying the ex $250,000 for his silence. This was reported as a, as a statement of fact by the Daily Mail. She did this. No complaints, no lawsuits, no demands for attraction as far as I can tell. This is them saying Ahmed Hersey discovered that they were having an affair and now she's paying him. Check this out. Ahmed Hersey had long suspected Omar was cheating on him with married Tim Minette. But the proof came when he caught the hijab wearing congresswoman in a, in a state that no Muslim woman should, should, uh, would expect to be with a man who is not her husband. Two separate sources confirmed the account to Daily Mail saying that Hersey was left angry and humiliated. He suspected she was cheating, but she kept telling him he was paranoid. Now, now let, me, let me stop for a second and I'll move on from this because I do want to talk about Rashida Tlaib and actual ethics violations. Many people are probably saying, I don't care about the affair. You know, people are going to cheat their personal lives. The issue is not the affair. The issue is Ilhan Omar has violated campaign finance laws in the past. She's been accused of doing so now. She denied the relationship at the time, saying it was professional. And now we know they were cheating. And if that's true, it stands to reason these were illegal payments. So they go on to say, apparently this guy's getting a fat paycheck. Let me see. Where where do we go? One so... uh, the sources say the families of Hersey and Omar hammered out a financial settlement that would give Hersey tens of thousands of dollars over several years, but only if he did not speak publicly about the marriage breakdown. One source said the figure was as high as $250,000 over six years. Hersey did not return at Daily, DailyMail.com requests for comments. Soon after the agreement was reached last year, Hersey 40 traded in his old Nissan Maxima for a BMW 528i, which sells for $54,000 new. Are you kidding me? These people are swimming in a cesspool of corruption. And you know what? There are so many people who would excuse it. Now, also recently, just towards the end of last year, a member of the Somali community, apparently in Minnesota, said Omar did marry her brother, and it was essentially to bypass immigration laws to speed things up and bring him here. And look, man, I got to say at this point, I, I, I think that's I think it's true. That's just my opinion. But look, you got these stories definitively reported witnesses saying this stuff. Check this out. FBI in January investigating whether Ilhan Omar married her brother. Great. Expand this to the campaign finance violations. All right. Now, here's where things get challenging. Moving on from Ilhan Omar and, and, and getting into why it's going to be difficult to actually go after her for whether or not she was illegally paying this guy. Members of Congress have a new strategy for ethics investigations, stonewalling. The Office of Congressional Ethics does not have subpoena power. So lawmakers have increasingly decided that not cooperating is the better approach. This is from ProPublica. ProPublica is a nonprofit investigative news outlet, and they detest Donald Trump. I can't tell you how much nonsense they pump out about, about the orange man being bad. To see this was actually kind of shocking. They say, congressional investigators wanted to talk. Rep Rashida Tlaib, squad member, far left Democrat, the freshman Democrat from Michigan, faced allegations that she improperly paid herself a salary from her campaign account including a bulk payment of $15,500 after the election was over. That's around half the salary of many Americans. You know, I think, I think most Americans are earning maybe like 37 to 40 K. She's getting, she paid herself $15,500 after the election was over. And they wanted to investigate whether that was true or not. Tlaib told reporters the payments were proper. But when the Office of Congressional Ethics, the House Independent Nonpartisan Watchdog, asked to interview her, the congresswoman refused. So did her staffers who had been involved in the payments. And there you go. So look, you want to go after these people for breaking the law? 
enriching themselves. Well, what are you going to do about it? Because apparently these, these institutions have no real teeth. Outside of general corruption, I think it's fair to say that these progressives are liars. They are grifters. I do not trust them at all. Let me show you one more story, and then I'll throw some shade over at Bernie Sanders. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's campaign may have illegally paid her boyfriend. February 28th, 2019. The story goes that there was a circuitous payment plan put in place with Saikat Chakrabarty. I I think I'm getting it right. It's been a year, so I'll try to tell you the gist of the story. Basically, you have the campaign of of Ocasio-Cortez. Then you have the consulting firm, a a for-profit company that does a bunch of services for the campaign. That that for-profit basically hires her boyfriend, and then he doesn't do any real work. That's what they're accusing. He's saying he did. But two months later, quits, gets two paychecks, and then moves to New York City to be with Omar. The general idea is that if the campaign is supposed to pay the LLC, you basically have one guy. It's all his money. But because the money can, can be legally originating from the, from, not from the campaign, but from him, the campaign can pay him and say it's for something else. And then he can hire her boyfriend who barely works for a couple months and then all of a sudden moves to New York and quits, the camp, quits, quits that job. It stands to reason, or a lot of people think so, that this was just a way to funnel money illegally to her boyfriend so he could move in with her. I'm not saying it's true. I don't think it really went anywhere. But, but listen, I highlight this story and, and because of what we're seeing with Ilhan Omar and her affair. I'll point out there are a lot of people, establishment Democrats and conservatives, who would love to take them down and find any reason to, to dredge up something about them. They're facing political rivals from the moderate Democrats and the conservatives. It's a fair point. It is. However, they've also actually been fined. Like, Ilhan Omar actually paid a fine. This is true. The FBI is actually looking into her. I think it's fair to just say these people, like many of the woke progressive left, are grifters. You know, I, I hate using that word. I really do. They'll accuse me of being a grifter because I have an opinion on things. But you don't see me, you know, claiming I'm going to fight for these injustices and against campaign finance stuff, but then using dark money schemes, setting up political action committees. They claim they're the good guys going to make all these great changes, but they enrich themselves. Bernie Sanders used to say the millionaires and the billionaires, because I'll tell you what, if you're worth $10 million, you're going to have undue influence on politics. I mean, relative to most people. While I can certainly respect that people who have earned wealth can use that as they see fit, I personally think we should have limits on campaign finance spending. And although we do have limits on donations per person, like you can't give more than 2800 someone who's worth tens of millions of dollars can spread that money out across the board and promote certain ideas or give to PACs. So there are still, you know, there's loopholes for this. Bernie Sanders used to complain the millionaires and the billionaires were manipulating politics because they are at least more so than the average person can. Then Bernie Sanders became a millionaire. And now he doesn't say millionaires and billionaires anymore. And apparently someone, I don't know if it's true, but somebody said on Twitter, like if you look at his Twitter, you can see the exact point when he stopped calling out the millionaires. And it coincides around the same time Bernie Sanders became a millionaire. Here's the way, here's the way I explain it. Bernie is this guy who claims to be fighting this oppressive class but he no longer calls out people who are worth $999 million because he has $1 million. That to me shows this guy doesn't actually care. So I'll tell you what, it is not difficult to point out that somebody who has $1 million has substantially less you know, power than someone with $999 million. Just because Bernie became a millionaire doesn't mean he, had, he, he should stop calling them out. 
But that says to me, the reason he did is because he likes being the millionaire. He's the part of the 1% now, man. It's, it's the first time in his life. He's older. He sold a book. His movement enriched him. So why call out? He's in the club, baby. Well, the funny thing about it is you think if you got a million bucks, you walk up to a guy who's worth 999 million and you're like, we're millionaires, right? The guy's going to be like, well, I mean, you know, I'm basically a billionaire, but sure, you're a millionaire, buddy. It's a dramatic difference in power. The word doesn't mean anything. But of course, Bernie won't sit anymore, which says to me, he was standing outside that there, there's the millionaires and billionaires club, right? First floor is a millionaires. Second floor is a billionaires. And he's looking outside with all the people behind him. And he's looking in the window going, I want to be a millionaire banging on the window. Well, then one day somebody walks the front door, opens it up and says, hey, Bernie, we're letting you into the millionaires club. But just don't bad, don't, don't bad mouth us, OK? And Bernie's like, yeah, of course. Bernie runs in that first floor party. Now he's sipping wine and he's laughing. And now he turns around and all those people behind him were saying, Bernie, are you going to let us in? No, 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 no. Uh, the billionaires upstairs, they're the problem. Bernie all of a sudden doesn't care about the millionaires. Why? You, I, these are the people that he surrounds himself with. You think I'm going to trust that guy? Sorry, not going to happen. The squad has been embroiled in ongoing you know, investigations. Look at this. The squad is being investigated for allegedly cheating its way into Congress from November. And this is a broader story about all of the different things that they have done with, you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez was apparently a, a, a member, a board member or something on a pack that was supporting her campaign. There are a bunch of different instances where they have repeatedly grazed the line at the very least. Now, if there were proper investigations, we might find that they've actually done things. As we can see with Rashida Tlaib, she's stonewalling. We can see Ilhan Omar did violate, you know, campaign finance law and had to pay a fine for it. But they repeatedly do this. Why? It's the same, same thing with Bernie Sanders refusing to call out millionaires today. Because he is one, man. They got the power. They don't care how they got it. They ain't going to give it up. Now that they're in power, they will gloat and they will do whatever they can. They don't actually care about these causes. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez lost tons of jobs in New York by chasing out Amazon then tried denying she had any involvement at all. Then when they opened a marketing office, she sat in a chair and gloated about how she, she, she saved the day. And people ate it up. Her followers are like, yes, you're right, AOC. She is just a grifter saying what needs to be said to make it seem like she's doing something right. She might actually lose her seat. But all she cares about, in my opinion, is fame. Fame, narcissism, it's ego. It's what they're all doing. None of them actually care. They don't care about what is right. Rashida Tlaib said she wanted to impeach Trump before she even got in. When she, when she was being, you know, uh, brought, you know, when, right after she won one election, she's like, we're going to impeach the mother effer, right? Then you want me to believe that she actually cared about the Ukraine scandal. No, 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 no. These people are just saying what needs to be said to get the keys to the castle to make the money. And that's funny because I've said in the past, changing my opinion on with, with new information, that I genuinely thought some of these progressives actually wanted to bring about change. I referred to Schumer, Pelosi, Nadler, those people as the keys to the castle Democrats, the people who just want to be let into the ivory tower so they can sit down and sip their fancy wine. Well, you know what? Shame on me because I should have seen it for what it is. These people just want to be the ones in the ivory tower too, and they got to get rid of the other ones if they're going to do it. They found a path to power, and now they're going to take it. Do they actually care about you or me? For the most part, I would argue no. If that were the case, Ilhan Omar wouldn't be engaging in this kind of behavior. She wouldn't be cheating on people, having affairs, using, you know, campaign resources. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something. Even if she has legitimate reasons to be paying for Tim Minette to fly around with her, conflict of interest. You shouldn't be dating the people you're working with. 
I get it. It happens and you can do it. Sure. Fine. My personal opinion. But if you're going to then give tons of money, hundreds of thousands of dollars, conflict of interest, you should avoid these things. But you know what? The, 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 the big issue for me is they're in politics. They're supposed to be held to a higher standard. They're supposed to be the good guys fighting for the little guy to, to end the corruption. But in the end, they are the exact same. They're humans. And as I like to say, humans do human stuff. Humans say, hey, I got, I got money. I want to use it. Why do I got to follow the rules? I'm special, they say. And that's what you end up getting. And it's often no matter who you choose, that's what you get. It's why I can't stand politics. It's why I don't care to vote for anybody for the most part, because I know no matter who you pick, they're going to play the same games. Finding someone, a person of true integrity who wants to do right by everyone is extremely difficult. Welcome to uh, the, the political world. This is what we get. She lied the whole time. So let me just say this. It is a fact that Ilhan Omar is acting in corrupt and unethical ways. And I'll explain it to you because, because like I said, when I was, actually, I don't know if I brought this up, but maybe I did. When I was first planning this segment, I said, is it unethical for somebody to cheat on their husband with a guy while they pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars and he cheats on his wife and then they lie about it to the press? Yeah, that's corrupt and unethical. I'll leave it there. I can't say I'm surprised. I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you there. Last night, Donald Trump announced a travel ban from Europe. This will apply to European citizens in the European Union's Schengen zone. It covers 26 countries, will not apply to the United Kingdom. And my understanding as of right now is that American citizens will be fine. You can come back, but you will be screened. Now, we've got a bunch of information to go through, and some of it's actually kind of scary. There is a new, uh, there's a report now. This is from the House Oversight Committee. CDC Director Robert Redfield admitted some Americans who seemingly died from influenza were tested positive for COVID-19 after they died. And this was admitted during a House Oversight Committee Wednesday. This, This is really happening. It seems like the mortality rate could be worse. Now, here's some challenges. If all the numbers are bad. We really just have no idea what to expect. And that's kind of worse. Look, if we know the mortality rate is at a certain number, if we know the infection rate is a certain number, then we can prepare adequately. But if both numbers are wrong, now we're just kind of flopping around like a fish out of water. So the challenge now will be one, accurately testing as many people as possible to figure out what the real mortality rate is. Make sure people aren't spreading the coronavirus because if you go out and people start getting sick, it's going to get substantially worse. It'll overload the medical system. We're now learning the NBA season is canceled. A ton of other sporting events have been canceled. Conferences are being shut down. And now the most drastic action so far is the shuttering of travel from Europe. So suffice it to say, man, wow, we're in the thick of things. But I got bad news. Yesterday, we talked about, uh, on the Timcast IRL podcast, we talked about some data showing that we're tracking very similarly to Italy which now has over 12,000 reported cases and around a 6% or so mortality rate. If that follows, uh, if that remains true, uh, the data for all of these other countries in the United States is basically a week away from being (laughs) on par with where Italy is at. So there's a big concern right now that we can follow two trajectories. South Korea, which began testing immediately, testing everyone, and got their mortality rate down to about 0.6%, or Italy, which ignored it, and now it's spiraled out of control. And the bad news they have for everybody is that it looks like we're tracking towards Italy. 
At least that's what people have been saying. Now, I want to show you this graph. This is this was posted to Medium. They say the source is Thomas Pueyo. Analysis from primary data from Worldometer only includes countries that have more than 20 cases and a uh, greater than 5% growth rate. This red dotted line shows the daily growth. Uh, I'm sorry, this red dotted line shows the countries that uh, anyone beyond it are doubling their cases every two days. And yes, guess what? The United States is doubling the amount of people infected every two days. Belgium has it substantially worse. Switzerland, the United Arab Emirates, Netherlands, France, Austria. So it, it, it is safe to say it makes sense why Donald Trump ordered this ban from Europe. Now, already people are annoyingly, I got to say, Don Lemon, one of the most annoying, stupid people on the planet who once asked whether or not an airplane could have been swallowed by a black hole, lost his mind on his show because John Kasich said, I appreciate the president taking a serious tone with this. And Don Lemon is so deranged, Trump derangement syndrome, that no matter what happens, no matter how serious the crisis, he desperately tries to make it partisan politics. Donald Trump said he was suspending all travel from Europe. And then all of a sudden, no, no one really knew what it meant. And CNN is now saying, you know, they say Trump was forced to clarify, forced to clarify. Calm down. Trump clarified to people who had questions about the limits of the travel ban. Apparently, Alison Camerota was talking with Pence and she said, but it's not a travel ban. It's all oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a restriction and it only applies to some people. Calm down. They do this all the time with Trump. They play semantics to try and turn this into a partisan political issue. I cannot stand CNN. They are just the absolute worst. So we've got serious issues. And I'll show you the stupid Don Lemon thing. But let me let me let me show you this first. EU condemns Trump travel ban from Europe as virus spread. I'm sorry, man. We we got the data right here. You know, let, let me let me show you this. Belgium, Switzerland, Netherlands, France, Austria, they got massive growth rate. So having these citizens not come to the US, I think that kind of makes sense. The suspension is for 30 days. I got to say, this is nuts. I, I I almost didn't expect it would get this bad. I'll tell you what, man. Early on, a lot of people just poo-pooed it and said, nah, who cares? Admittedly, I was one of them. Like the first video I did on this, I said, nah, it's not going to be that bad. We've seen things get way worse. Once the quarantine started getting a lot heavier is when my tone changed. And since then, I've been advising people to make sure you got supplies. I'm going to show you something, all right? We're going to read about the EU condemnation, Don Lemon losing his mind. But I want to show you something. This is a photo from last night. I went to Walmart. We decided that we, we already had supplies, like we already went shopping, but we didn't we didn't go nuts, right? When we first, when, when I was start, started telling everybody that you should go and pick up supplies, do your regular shopping, I was talking about, you know, grabbing, you know, one or two can, you know, gallons of water and a couple cans of beans, nothing super serious, just doing your shopping early. Once Donald Trump announced they were suspending travel from Europe, there was a collective holy F moment between me and my friends. And we were like, we should probably go to the store and get some canned goods and things that will last us a lot longer because the worst case scenario is we got a ton of beans. We're going to have taco night. That's the joke, right? But it's true. I mean, we'll have tacos. It's going to be great. We got chili lime seasoning. It's going to be fun. But considering the drastic measures we've seen, considering the, the data and the trajectory we've been looking at, I got to say, I'm, 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 I'm a bit of an optimist. You know, I am not a doomsday, you know, pepper kind of person. And so I admittedly was late to the toilet paper, uh, the, 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 the toilet paper aisle. Check this photo out. For those that are listening, there's a picture of, of Adam, who uh, co-hosts the IRL podcast with me. 
And he's just got this look on his face like, what? And guess what? The aisle in Walmart near me, no toilet paper. There's like, there's a couple rolls. You can still see them. And there's some like, um, like uh, alcohol wipes or something. But for the most part, the aisle was completely stripped of toilet paper. And that was crazy. But there's more. Check this out. Distilled water, almost entirely gone. There's still, there was still a bit there. Then we have this, this is, the, this was the milk section, almost entirely gone. You can still, there, there was some milk and there was some, there was heavy cream, but for the most part, the milk, I couldn't believe it. And then we have this, this was the mac and cheese section. There's still a bit of mac and cheese, but man, the shelves were, 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 were stripped. I would say, look, I go shopping decently often, like once a week we go for groceries, right? We don't panic. We just do normal grocery shopping. When I went there the other day, it definitely seemed that people had been buying a lot more than usual. I don't want to, look, we were still able to get a bunch of stuff with no problems, but I think we are early and that's what's scary to me. We went out and went shopping as soon as this news broke and we got our supplies. I hope you're considering doing this now too, because let me tell you, it's not going to end with a travel ban from Europe. Let me show you this data. We are doubling uh, doubling the, the infection rate every two days. Just do the basic math, man. We've got what? 1,200 cases in the U.S. Two days from now, 24, 48. It goes on from there, 96. It's going to keep going up and we are going to find ourselves. I hope it's, I hope it's not true, but in Italy territory where they've locked everything down. They issue three year, you know, I'm sorry, three month jail time for anyone who breaks quarantine. I think that's where we're heading. You can see it's way, way worse in the Schengen zone. But when you look at the data from when the U.S. first started seeing cases emerge to where when Europe did, Europe apparently now is the new epicenter of the of the expansion of the coronavirus. They're saying that China has got things under control. I don't believe it. I mean, it's possible because they basically locked everyone in their houses. I don't we can't do that for the most part. We need to rely on people to just decide to stay in their houses. If that's the case and you don't have food, I don't know what you're going to do. I, you know, I mean, look, it, it doesn't seem like the world will stop. Deliveries are still happening, but I think we might get to that point. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, look, I, I we want to be wrong about this, but you've had so many people trying to downplay this and act like nothing was happening. And now that Donald Trump has actually, t- like, it, it's, it's mind numbing to me that literally no matter what Trump does, they are just shrieking on TV like moronic banshees banging their heads on the wall calm down, you lunatics. Don Lemon is one of the worst people ever. He's just awful. The guy once said that a plane, he asked whether a plane could have been sucked into a black hole. That's the guy they put on TV. Well, of course, you get people like him screeching. Trump isn't doing enough. He's, he's, he's downplaying the coronavirus. Uh, I think it was MSNBC. They did this really awful thing where Trump was asked a question about coronavirus preparedness. And he said something like, take a look at the flu today. We've got, you know, 8,000 deaths. We've got, you know, tens of thousands of people who have been infected since October. With that being said, we are taking the coronavirus very, very seriously. And, you know, we'll be taking action to, to you know, curtail, blah, blah, blah. I'm paraphrasing. So I, I don't like the flu rhetoric, but the president's between a rock and a hard place. I think he needs to be tougher, harder on what we're seeing with the coronavirus. But I can also respect you can't spark panic. If Trump came out and said, it's a very serious thing, this coronavirus, lots of people will die. Then then the media would be like, Trump's inciting panic. This is not what a president should be doing. He should be calm. 
literally nothing that can, the guy can do. And then I'm stuck here listening to people like Don Lemon. Yes, I have to listen to him. Why? He's trending nationwide as people tear him apart for being a moron. So I, I look, I don't, I'm not going to pretend like I, I could ever do a better job in terms of trying to calm people down while making sure they prepare. But Don Lemon loses it after John Kasich says he liked Trump's coronavirus speech. There is literally nothing the president could do that any of these people would ever say was a good thing. Trump could sit and do nothing and they'd be like, he's not even doing anything. He can say just the word coronavirus. And they'd be like, why is he saying literally nothing you can do? So Don Lemon loses it because this guy is a partisan leftist. He is not a news anchor. And I wish they would just admit it. It was a while ago that uh, the New York Times apparently said they weren't going to allow their reporters to appear on CNN or on Don Lemon's show. I think they may have reversed that, but it was because Don Lemon is a partisan, pushing partisan politics, not reporting the news. And Don Lemon got all offended. I am absolutely reporting the news. Anybody who tells you this while screeching about the president, like these are, these are grifters. This is, Don Lemon doesn't know or care about anything. All he knows is that he must yell at the president every single day. Here's what I'll tell you. I complain about Democrats all the time, and I admit that I'm biased. And I've actually done like a deep dive, like psychoanalysis on myself. I'm, I'm half kidding, by the way. But no, I've talked about how I grew up in a Democrat-controlled city, and I've been personally slighted by them. So naturally, I have my biases. And I'm giving you my opinion on what I think is important in the news as we're dealing with a major Democratic primary, and this will lead to a, the race against Trump. I think Trump isn't, uh, I've criticized him on, on his rhetoric about the coronavirus, but you got to be calm about things. I think the, 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 the speech Trump gave last night was fine. I, it was absolutely fine. He said, we're suspending travel, uh, all travel from Europe. And if someone needs clarification on that, which they probably will, that's normal. The president gave a general statement. People said, okay, let's break down what this means. And now CNN, not just Don Lemon, are acting like he was giving us some vague directive that no one can understand. And people are panicking because of it. What are you talking about? He said, here's the plan. And then people said, so does that include like trade goods? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. Are there any countries that will be exempt? Right, right. Yes. We're talking about the European Union in the Schengen zone. Ah, okay. Thank you. Will this, will this block American citizens? No, it won't. Americans will be able to come back and be screened. And I think that's a constitutional thing. I don't think that you can tell a citizen they're not allowed to come back, come back home. Let me read this for you. And then we'll read about the EU condemning the, the travel ban. Things got extremely heated on, CNN, on, on the CNN set Wednesday when former Ohio governor turned CNN political commentator John Kasich was essentially read the riot act by Don Lemon for saying he thought President Donald Trump did a fine job with his address on coronavirus with the Trump administration having to issue multiple clarifications following the speech. Having to. I can't stand these people. Dude, there have been so many statements made by Barack Obama and George Bush and Bill Clinton, and the press secretary comes out and is literally asked questions to clarify things. It's what the press corps is supposed to be doing. Recently, Obama said that he was preparing this. Does that mean one, two, or three ABC? Uh, Actually, no. What what, what it will mean is this. Uh, Thank you for the clarification. Yet when Trump comes out and gives a a, a 10 minute address, of course, there's going to be clarifications. These people are insane. uh, Such as uh, on Trump's 30 day European travel ban, Lemon noted that the president was sending mixed messages during a crisis. Case you know, there's literally nothing the guy can do. I just I can't stand this. Can can we please have a sane and rational argument? about the, what Donald Trump is saying and whether or not the European travel ban can be effective and what it means for trade and the economy. Instead, Don Lemon just t- goes on TV with his NPC face screeching orange man bad. No real conversation occurs. Is, is the travel ban the right thing to do? I honestly don't know. 
If American citizens can, can still come back, are we still risking infection? Oh, but they're going to be screening people. Maybe it makes sense. What if people in the European Union go to the UK? Will the UK be barring them? There's a lot of questions we could ask. Not having to do with whether or not Trump was forced to clarify anything. But Don Lemon, CNN, and these woke resistance morons don't care about the actual crisis we're facing. The only thing they care about is whether or not the orange man can be called bad today. They say Kasich, meanwhile, felt Trump was able to stick to the script and act serious. The CNN anchor, however, fired back, noting that we need accurate information. You know what, Don Lemon? You're supposed to be hosting a late night news show, and you once suggested that a black hole could swallow an airplane. So you do not get to throw stones while you live in a, in, in a glass house made of glass so thin you could tap it with your pinky and the whole thing would collapse. At one point, the two went into it so fiercely that Kasich asked if he could finish what he was, what he was saying, and Lemon snapped back, no, you can't, John. Kasich would also say that we need to move forward and not look back, causing Lemon to shout the speech was just two hours ago. Yeah, that was a stupid statement from Kasich, but it was also a stupid statement from Don Lemon. I get the point Kasich was trying to make, but look, it did just happen. So if you want to talk about it, I think it's stupid. Like, don't look at the past. Let's look to the future. No, look, if I want to criticize someone in the past, I can do it. But I do respect the point. Listen, Trump made a statement. What does it mean? Let's talk about our plans for the future. Morons like Don Lemon screech. They just screech into the wind no matter what happens. They hate the orange man. So now we can see the European Union officials said that the illness doesn't respect borders and requires cooperation rather than unilateral action. This to me is kind of silly. If Italy had locked things down early, they would be in a much better position. But they didn't. They ignored it. And now Europe is basically, it's, it's like, you know, you know what I see when I, when, I, when I see this statement? Let me, let me read this. They say, the European Union disapproves of the fact that the U.S. decision to impose a travel ban was taken unilaterally and without consultation. The coronavirus is a global crisis, not limited to any continent and requires cooperation rather than unilateral action. It sounds to me like misery loves company. They're like, hey, if we're going to get it, why can't we send our citizens to your country? It's like, uh, wait, 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 hold on. You mean we're still trading between the nations? Okay. What you're basically saying is that tourists can't come. That's it. Because apparently the travel, the, the travel restrictions, official travel will still be acceptable. So I'm assuming diplomats and government uh, uh, actors will still be able to move between the countries and, and communicate. Not only that, we have the internet, you got satellites, you can talk if you need to, we can send trade goods, calm down. Sounds like this is mostly to do with tourists to restrict travel from countries that have many infected people into countries that don't. I think it's going to get bad in the US. I'm not sure this will be as effective as we think. And I think that, I think we're several steps behind this thing. I think that's fair to say. So here's what I'm going to, here's, here's what I'm going to say. I, look, I think Trump is doing what Trump needs to do. I'm glad he's taking it seriously. My criticism was uh, of him was that he was downplaying it too much. Now it seems like he stepped a bit in front of the seriousness of this with a, with a travel restriction. So I, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. I don't know if it's the right answer. I don't know what should or shouldn't be done, but I'm glad he's taking a more serious tone and addressing this and saying, we're going to take some actions. That's a good thing. I do think, however, based on where we've been starting in January, when I first started covering this, the story first emerged, you know, around the, the end of December to then February and where we are today. I, I couldn't believe it, man. I, I, I looked back at some of my old videos. And I think the first video I did on this was like January 23rd. And now where we are today, based on what I was talking about then, it is, it is way, way worse, which says to me that it is, it is a fair assessment that we are several steps behind this. And it will get way worse and probably much worse than anyone realizes. Look at what China had to do to stem the spread. They barricaded people in their homes. 
They, 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 they disappeared people. They, they went to people's houses and grabbed them and carried them off. They built massive hospitals and massive mobilization very quickly. We're not like China and Italy didn't take it seriously. And now some people are saying we are on track to be like Italy. So keep an eye on where Italy goes. They have a much smaller population. You know what that means? And it's hard to speculate, but where Italy is at now with this, with much fewer people in the United States, it may get, it may grow significantly faster. The important thing though, is that when you look at the EU, European countries have a lot more people than say an American state, but it operates similarly, right? So the European Union is 26 uh, member states. Italy is not as big as the entirety of the United States. But if you look at how our states operate, like like Texas and France are, are, are a similar size, then we can see the spread in Europe similarly to how it would affect the entirety of the United States. Meaning, I think we're going to see New York get slammed by this. They've already instituted the containment zone in New Rochelle, National Guard being deployed to help assist ghost town in the streets. This is, it's, it's, it's appearing in Manhattan, it's my understanding. And you've got 2.5 or so million people who live on that island, plus millions who go in and out every day. New York is so dense, I think we're going to get slammed hard by this. Already New Jersey has 23 reported cases. People keep saying it's not as bad as the flu. Now they're saying it's traveling faster. At first it said as fast as, now they're saying it's traveling faster. So yes, the flu is a mortality rate of point, of 0.1%. And now we're looking at a 3.4 or in Italy around 6%. Take this seriously. People are being instructed to work from home. Fortunately, for the most part, I already do that. So I'll be doing that. We went out shopping early and we went out again last night when Trump made this announcement. And I really thought that as soon as Trump said they were suspending travel, we were going to see people rush to the store. A little bit. There were a lot, a lot of people we saw buying a lot of stuff, but we actually stocked up on supplies more than I thought we would ever consider it. And, and even then, we didn't go out and buy like a year's supply of anything. We just got, we, we didn't really get that much, to be honest. We just went out and said, let's get a little bit more. I don't know what to expect, man. The only thing I can expect, the only thing I can predict is that every step of the way, we have been one or two steps behind saying, is it going to get bad? Is this going to happen? So I think it's possible that my predictions, it's actually going to be worse than I think in the next week or so. But I can't tell you what to, what, what, what to expect. I can't. What I can tell you is this, this, this can cause pneumonia, which can lead to permanent lung damage. And it's spreading rapidly. And if it does end up infecting 60 to 70% of the world, that's a lot of people who are going to be hurt by this. More importantly, not everyone is sick with coronavirus. Not everyone has COVID. But because of the severity of it, they're, they're essentially doing a triage-like system where they're getting treatment first. So that means people with diabetes who need to get checked up. People with, you know, all of, all of a sudden, you, let's say you get appendicitis and they say, our beds are full. We have nowhere for you to go. Let's say there are people who are getting cancer treatment. Sorry, we can't have you come in right now. Just stay home and stay comfortable. We've got someone who might die. That's what's going to happen. And that's what's scary. Your neighbor kid might slip and fall and break a wrist. And there's not going to be any doctors to help set that bone. Or they're going to be waiting 12 hours in a hospital where people have the COVID, uh, COVID-19. So this is the serious challenge we're facing, medical system overload. It is expanding that fast. And all the people who laughed and said, oh, geez, it's fine. It's no big deal. They're going to be the ones who are left out high and dry. I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. I will see you all then. We are deep in the midst of the Corona apocalypse. Conferences are being canceled. The NBA season has been canceled. Travel restrictions from Europe. But even though 
People are freaking out and stripping their stores of toilet paper because apparently they think they can eat it. There are still some things we can find humorous, although, well, maybe humorous isn't the right word. It's something you face palm over, but if you, you got to have a sense of humor about these things. Hopefully, well, actually, I, I, Donovan Mitchell is not going to have a sense of humor about this. I'm not a big sports guy, right? But I, I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you this one. Rudy Gobert touched every microphone at Jazz Media Availability Monday, now reportedly has coronavirus. Apparently, this dude, NBA player, was, was acting like the coronavirus was no big deal, and he starts going like, whatever, and then he actually starts touching all the microphones like it's nothing. Guess what? The dude tests positive for coronavirus. Now another dude on the Jazz has it. Dude, I, I tell you what, man. If you start laughing and gloating about how there's not, no problem, and then you bring that problem to me, oof. It's YouTube. I got to keep it family friendly, but you know where I'm going, huh? Let's ch- check out the story. I'm going to show you this timeline because we have breaking news. Donovan Mitchell tests positive for coronavirus. It's funny because he's on the Utah Jazz as well. You get this dumb dude. Oh, man. And now we don't know who, who transmitted or who started it. But in terms of how the news is carrying it, presumably Rudy Gobert had, was symptomatic first. So, yeah, maybe. Let's read the story. They say Rudy Gobert became the first NBA player to test positive for coronavirus on Wednesday, according to Shams Sharania uh, of The Athletic. And while the league moved swiftly to suspend the season afterward, Gobert's actions before any decision were made has caused some alarm in the basketball world. With the NBA recently banning media from accessing locker rooms, players have begun fulfilling their media obligations at the podium. Gobert did so at Monday's Utah Jazz shootaround. Afterward, he proceeded to touch every microphone on the stage, seemingly sending a message about his fearlessness in regards to the disease. It is unknown just how many people came into contact with those microphones after Gobert. Listen, I got to plug, I'm going to play this video for you. This is, this is so hilarious. Check this out. He just, he's about to walk away and he's like, no, let, let me actually just start touching every microphone and the table. What an idiot. You know what, man? This is the perfect example of the morons who are like, why are you getting ready for the virus? Duh. Have you seen the photos in like DC, in New York, in Seattle? Look, man, I don't care. Uh, in this regard, if we're dealing with the apocalypse, I'm talking about panic. Panic is the, the first thing we should actually be concerned. Well, I shouldn't say it's the first thing, but panic is a serious threat. And we're seeing now people freaking out and buying every toilet paper roll in the, in the building because apparently I, some people are just scared about not getting toilet paper. I have no idea what people are doing. That's, that's nuts. The coronavirus is a serious threat. And I think it's so, you know what, man? There are people posting, in 2009 to, to, uh, to 2010, the swine flu killed 12,000 people with millions infected. And I'm like, oh, can you do the math now as to why this is more serious? Let me, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there, guy, who's saying, but the flu killed more people. With millions of people infected, 12,000 people died? Is that, is, is that the numbers the CDC has apparently given us? With 100,000 infected, over 4,000 have died. Do the math. The mortality rate is substantially higher for this. Yeah, let's do what we can to, to, to slow things down and stop this to the best of our abilities. Otherwise, our medical system overloads. But here you get one of these guys, such morons, hubris, arrogance, optimism, bias. It can never happen to me. Dude is now confirmed. Shams Charania, senior lead NBA insider writer for the Athletic and Stadium. Utah Jazz all-star Rudy Gobert has tested positive for coronavirus, sources tell the the Athletic NBA. Sources say Gobert is feeling good, strong, and stable, and was feeling strong enough to play tonight, 
But it's possible he gets mild symptoms. I mean, think about it this way. Dude's an athlete. He's probably trained. He's probably got a strong body. So he'll probably be all right. But then he's going to go and get everybody else sick. Touching everything. Oh, man. I just can't stand it. Because here's, here's the thing. He was making a point about how I'm not going to get it. And he was giving it to other people when he was doing that. How stupid. Man, these people are dumb. Just because you're good at playing, you know, a, a top tier athlete doesn't mean you're a top tier scholar. I'm sorry to say. Gobert was ruled out of Wednesday's game earlier with what the Jazz termed, uh, termed as an illness, which later grew into the reported positive test for coronavirus. The Jazz released a statement Wednesday explaining the situation without naming Gobert. After the game between the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder was postponed, players for both teams were quarantined in their locker rooms. According to Tony Jones, the athletic Jones revealed that he himself would not be traveling out of Oklahoma City and that he planned to get tested. The NBA reportedly planned initially to continue playing games in empty arenas. However, Gobert's diagnosis proved the fallibility of that strategy. If even one player was infected, it would force everyone on his team and who he played against into quarantine. Suspending the the season was the right call, but in letting the Jazz and Thunder take the floor, it might have come too late. There is no telling how far the disease has spread within the league now. Man, you got to be a special kind of stupid to do what he did. So they issued a statement and they said, this morning, a player in the Utah Jazz tested negative for influenza, strep throat, and and an upper respiratory infection. The individual's symptoms diminished over the course of today. However, in a precautionary measure and in consultation and cooperation with NBA medical staff and Oklahoma health officials, the decision was made to test for COVID-19. A preliminary positive result came back right before tip-off of the Utah Jazz Oklahoma City game. How? Man, it's just, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. If we had taken harsher measures like shutting these games down two weeks ago, we would, we would drastically reduce the spread of this. But we are just two steps behind. And when you add to the problem people like Gobert who are laughing and touching everything like it's a joke, I'll tell you what, man, let me throw some shade over at AOC's way. There's a viral video right now where she's giving a press conference like, make sure you don't touch your face. Look at me touching my face right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So stupid. No, I know it's stupid. I was touching my face too. But I'm at home. All right. And I also don't think like the, the issue with being out in public and touching your face is very different for me. I'm like, I don't want to say we're self-quarantined, but I'm kind of a homebody anyway. You ever wonder how I'm able to produce so many videos? I don't leave. I, I, I go to the store sometimes, play video games. But for the most part, I work from home, so I'm going to go anywhere. But yeah, I get it. I touched my face, too. That's the joke, by the way. Here's a, uh, let's read more. Subsequently, the decision was was correctly made by the NBA to postpone the game when it was determined that the individual would be tested we immediately informed the league office, the health and safety of our players and our organization, those throughout the league and those potentially impacted by the situation are paramount in our discussions. We are working closely with the CDC, Oklahoma and Utah state officials and the NBA to determine how to best move forward as we gather more information. The individual is currently in the care of health officials in Oklahoma City in coordination with the NBA and state officials. We'll provide updates at the appropriate time. So now we, we have the latest update. Donovan Mitchell. I can only imagine is ready to go have some choice words for Mr. Gobert. He now tests positive. Check it out. Utah, let me, let me actually zoom in for those who are seeing this on, who are watching. Utah Jazz and star Donovan Mitchell has tested positive for the coronavirus. League sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Mitchell becomes the second Jazz player to test positive for contracting the virus, along with Rudy Gobert, sources told Wojnarowski. Sorry. Gobert's diagnosis led to the postponement of Wednesday's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
The Jazz announced Thursday that a second player has tested positive, but did not identify Mitchell. We are working closely with the CDC, Oklahoma, and Utah State officials and the NBA to monitor their health and determine the best path moving forward, the Jazz said in a statement. Jazz players are privately saying that Gobert showed a cavalier attitude. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is, is, is that what you're calling it? Toward the virus in the locker room, touching teammates and their belongings. Oh, no. This dude was the epitome of arrogance. And he basically, he's, I, I'm willing to bet they're all going to get sick. And man, I'll tell you what, dude, you bring that. Look, I've gotten sick before. And I always, I'm always angry at the people who bring that in. Like, I'll invite someone over, and they'll be having the sniffles. I'll be like, did you seriously just come over to my house, and you got the sniffles, and you, and you got a cold? Now we're all going to get sick. What are you doing? Stay home. Take care of yourself. Don't bring that to my house. Now I'm going to get sick, and I can't work? Mm. I couldn't imagine being an NBA player. Top-tier athlete, you want to take care of your body. You got to train every day. And this dude's going around touching things, all like, I can do whatever I want. And now he's sick. And now you're sick. Oh, man. I can only imagine what that conversation is going to be like. Oh, I'll leave it there because, uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. At Monday's media availability, Gobert was seen touching all the microphones and tape recorders at the end of his session with reporters. And now the reporters who got to pick up those tape recorders are going to get sick too. You got to be kidding me, man. I can't. It's, this is insane. Players with the Jazz, players the Jazz have faced within the past 10 days are being told to self-quarantine. A source told ESPN's Brian Windhorst, in those 10 days, Utah has played the Cleveland Cavaliers, New York Knicks, Boston Celtics, Detroit Pistons, and Toronto Raptors. Here's what you got to understand, because we, we, we were having uh, conversations here about going to the gym and going to the store, and we, like, this is probably the worst place to have it, because th- think about it. You transmit it by breathing on people and coughing on people. So here you are, playing a sport, drenched in sweat, there's water, you know, well, there's sweat everywhere, and you're, you're breathing heavy because you're athletic. And it's getting everywhere. Big clouds of coronavirus filtering around through the air. They're all going to get it, man. You breathe that in. All of these players huffing and, and puffing the air all around them. All the other players are breathing in the same air, man. I don't know if you've ever if you've, if you've ever gone to a place where it's like really hot inside like a venue or whatever, and you're breathing in the sweat of everyone else. Yeah, you're going to get sick, man. The Raptors announced Thursday that members of the team's traveling party have been tested for the coronavirus and that they're awaiting results. The NBA announced Wednesday night that it was suspending the season following the Jazz's announcement of a positive coronavirus test. The NBA will use this hiatus to determine next steps for moving forward in regard to the coronavirus pandemic, the league said in a statement. For most people, the coronavirus causes only mild or moderate symptoms, such as fever and cough. For some, especially older adults and people with existing health problems, it can cause more severe illnesses, including pneumonia. The vast majority of people recover from the virus, according to the World Health Organization, which labeled the coronavirus a pandemic on Wednesday. People with mild illness recover in about two two weeks, while those with more severe illnesses may take three to six weeks to recover. The NBA is expected to address next steps the teams when it conducts a call with the Board of Governors at 12.30 p.m. Thursday, sources told ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. There are 259 games, roughly 21% of the schedule left to play in the season. All right, I'll tell you what. It's probably the smart thing to do to actually shut things down. We don't want to end up like Italy. So it's, man, I can't believe people like this Gobert dude. This is exactly the opposite of what someone needs to do. And when you see what happened in China and their authoritarian reaction, you also need to recognize we can't do that here. We don't have the legal authority, and it's a good thing to barricade people in their homes and like weld their doors shut. We shouldn't. 
But that means the responsibility falls on us to not be morons like this dude touching everything. And, not, and, then, and then they're going to say that he was in the locker room touching everything too, having a cavalier attitude about it. Optimism bias. It'll never happen. Oh, you know how many memes I've seen from morons who are like, they said the same thing about this pandemic and this pandemic, but we had Zika and we had swine flu. <laughs> it's another, listen, man, you know, you know, what's really annoying is that we've had outbreaks before like Zika, like swine flu, avian flu, etc. And they were decently bad. And because these people weren't impacted, they roll their eyes and they say, it'll never happen. First of all, man, you, 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 you got to understand we're trying to be cautious if someone, if when they come out in the news and say SARS, of course, the media is going to go nuts. Of course, they want to play up to it, but also recognize it is better to overreact. And they say, but nothing happened then. Yes, because we stopped it, you idiot. It reminds me of, I can't remember who said this, but they were like, it might've been Giuliani. I don't want to falsely accuse Giuliani, Giuliani, but somebody said something like there should be terror attacks. That way people are reminded of the protections they need and why they need them. It's a really stupid statement, but this is what happens. People are like, I never got sick. So you mean the CDC did its job and the warnings worked and people, you know, distanced themselves so the virus didn't become that bad? And now because of that, you think nothing could ever happen and you get people like this going and touching everything, literally making it worse. I tell you what, this is instant karma, instant karma. And all of the people that he works with in the locker room, I can just imagine like he shows up and he's like, hey, everybody, they're going to get better, right? Everyone's going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. He's going to show up and he's going to have all these people turn around and they're going to give him the death glare. And that's, that's, that's the best case scenario for this guy. I won't be surprised. Okay. I got to keep it family friendly, but I'll just, but you you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, this dude might want to avoid certain people because he basically gave him this virus, man. I'll, I'll put it this way. We don't know for sure who gave who what, right? And I don't think it's fair to say we know for sure. So we don't, but based on this guy's attitude, I imagine he's going around, you know, he's the kind of guy who's going to like, you know, drop food on the floor, pick it up, make it's fine. I'm fine. He eats it. He's going around touching everything, not caring. Meanwhile, you got other people taking precautions, maybe using hand sanitizers and stuff. And this guy, he's the one who doesn't care. And so he likely, he's, he's more likely to get the infection. And then he absolutely goes and spreads it. You know what, man? Look at me touching my face already. Yeah, yeah, I know we're not supposed to do it, but I think it's fine. I'm in my house, whatever. These are people who are going outside. They're going around touching stuff, touching other people's stuff, touching their faces. The thing about AOC, too, is that she's in public at a press conference telling people not to touch, not to touch their face and then simultaneously doing it. All right, I'll take some fault for touching my face. I'll accept that. But admittedly, I'm in my home studio, okay? It's a big difference between going out in the public. We've basically been chilling at home. My ha- I just washed my hands. All right, but, but still, I understand the silliness of telling people not to touch your face and then literally touching your face. So just stop doing it. I don't know what to expect next, but I'm going to leave you with one final thing because we, uh, so YouTube, I've been in conversations with YouTube about the censorship issue. We can't talk about it. I was told recently that they're going to allow me to talk about coronavirus on my main channel. Let me, let me, let me break this down and explain to you exactly what's happening on this channel. They don't really know it exists. They don't pay attention to it. Most of the videos I produce will be demonetized on this channel because they pay no attention. This is like my, my secondary channel. It gets uh, automated reviews and everything gets demonetized. My main channel is under heavy scrutiny from actual, from YouTube, at, like the people in, in San Francisco. So they, they review literally every video I do. And there's a program called self-certification 
where I have to say what is or isn't in it. The difference between how I, I can talk about it on this channel is that they will demonetize every video anyway, but they also don't suppress these videos for the most part. They have, but typically they don't. On my main channel, if I talk about coronavirus, the video will just not appear at all. That's how heavy the scrutiny is. So what they've basically said is, your, your, this ch- that's why my main channel is basically nothing but political talk. It's like the only thing they allow, and sometimes not even that. So right now, the big problem is all news is coronavirus. And I reached out to them and said, when will I be allowed to talk about this? And they said, we'll let you know, but sometime soon, which means I probably can't, meaning over my main channel, I'm going to be talking about, I don't know, gossip. It's going to be political, probably. And I'm going to have to avoid talking about coronavirus on that channel. This is the legit problem of censorship. And it's why I have three different channels. Timcast IRL is the podcast show we do live every night. We talk about whatever we want. And that's typically because the live show, it's ignored. It's a new channel. And we rely a lot on Super Chats. On this channel, they will demonetize the video, which I expect anyway, so it's fine, whatever. But then they don't suppress them. They just, so it's like, my, my, my assumption is the general demonetization stuff that happens to the average channel is outsourced to another country. My main channel, however, has actual San Francisco-based Google employees in the building watching my content, and they literally shadow ban. Meaning if I talk about coronavirus on that channel, not only will it be demonetized, you won't even see it go live. Some people have even complained past videos don't even appear on my channel at all, which means they only allow me to talk about certain things. But I'll tell you this. I've found ways to essentially navigate it. I can talk about coronavirus here with no problem, whatever, it's fine. I can talk about anything I want here and I don't care. And YouTube typically ignores it. On my main channel, all I've decided is that my, my, my main you know news, political commentary stuff will just appear there. But I'll, I'll be the first to admit the censorship is a serious problem and it restricts what we can talk about. So my choice is stop producing or just put specific content on that channel and create new channels that can host other content. That's what I'm doing. So whatever. YouTube is supposed to be opening the door. We'll, we'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment will be at 4 p.m. YouTube.com slash Timcast. I have no idea what I can talk about because everything is coronavirus. The market collapse. There's maybe some stuff, but it's probably going to be not related. So I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. I'll see you all then. 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. You know, these people love to use the word grifter to describe anybody online with a political opinion other than their own. But I'm going to have to go ahead and say it. These people are grifters. Samantha B goes off on Fox News racist coronavirus coverage. They're clearly just making things up at this point. It is not racist to claim a disease came from a country that is scientifically true. Not only that, come on, China's so racist. Samantha B is awful. Okay, and this was the cringiest thing I've ever seen. They got rid of their studio audience, right? Because of coronavirus. Okay, I can respect that. Except they still need the laugh track but they have no audience. So they put their own staff members in the stands and it's very sparse and you hear them trying to laugh really loud. Oh, it is so cringy. It is one of the cringiest things I have ever seen, but I can't blame them entirely. The coronavirus thing is here. It's legit fine. But we also have Ocasio-Cortez saying uh, it's straight up racism to avoid eating at Chinese restaurants. Oh, dude, you know, oh man, I just, I just can't do it. Listen, it's not racist. Okay. It's stupid, but it is not racist. Okay. Look, you can't just use that word for literally anything. The disease actually started in Wuhan. It does affect everybody, 
But the people who are concerned that a disease that emerged in, in, in China and has infected many Chinese people, even in the United States, are concerned that these people might be related to that is not racism. Racism. You know what? A little bit, maybe. Fine. I'll be fair. But the idea is, if I saw a dude, okay, and he was wearing a green shirt and all, and he was in a crowd of people with green shirts and they were covered in coronavirus and then someone else had, had said that they had friends and family with green shirts on, I'd say, I don't know. Maybe it's possible that people wearing green shirts have coronavirus. It's not because of their race. It's because of the potential connection and probabilities, which don't exist for other people for the most part. Humans make assumptions. They see patterns. And yes, humans are, are racist. And I don't mean the stupid leftist way they put it. I mean, humans tend to fe- like prefer people who look like them in general. It's not so much about race. And we fight in the United States to end these things. We do a pretty good job of it. So yes, we do need to make sure we're calling out racism where it is. This ain't it. This is people saying a country. Now, look, I'll admit it is really, really stupid to not eat at a Chinese food restaurant because you're concerned about coronavirus. But I don't think they're doing it because they think lesser of Chinese people. But fine, use the word racist however you want to use it. Let's read this silly story. Samantha B goes off on Fox News racist coronavirus coverage. Ugh. Oh, it hurts. It really does. There were no cheers and no applause when Samantha B took the stage for Wednesday night's episodes of, episode of Full Frontal on TBS. She was the first late night host to go audience free amidst the coronavirus pandemic and did not hesitate to address the inherent awkwardness. Tonight, we are going on a weird, wild journey together, she began, because due to the increasing threat of the coronavirus, we wanted to do the responsible thing and not have an audience. Okay, we have some people, but they work for us and they're sitting six feet apart, as recommended by the CDC, and also because they hate each other. Cringe. The worst part is when she actually makes one of her crappy jokes and they all try and laugh. It is really, really cringy to hear like three people laughing at someone's joke. Oof. Just get rid of the audience altogether and just don't have it and let the people at home. Oh, what's that? They need a studio audience so that the people who are stupid enough to watch Samantha Bee know when they're supposed to laugh. That's how they do it. Just for fun, those writers put a bunch of jokes in Bee's teleprompter that she hadn't seen yet. She said, all right, the world's ending, but let's pretend we're still going to have an actual election November. Who effing knows? Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders may be canceling their campaign rallies. But as the host said, meanwhile, our president is bravely denying anything is wrong. They then go on to show a series of clips of Trump saying he's taking it seriously. I have no idea. I have no idea. But it is the way Trump and the conservative media are talking about the coronavirus that B sees as equally problematic. After playing a montage of Fox News hosts and pundits blaming the outbreak on the Chinese. No, on China. Come on. It's a government. You know, that's racist. To, 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 when someone criticizes an authoritarian government for the horrible things they do, and then you're like, you're only criticizing them because they're Chinese. Dude, it's China. Of course they're Chinese. But we're criticizing the government. Oh, man. She then goes on to conflate Fox News criticizing China with people not wanting to eat Chinese food. And it's like, listen, man, racism is a specific thing, right? But they've changed the definition of the word. And now it just basically means anything that can ever be considered racial in any way, in which case, like basically everything is racist. And, 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 and it's true. According to these people. Now, here's the thing about Samantha B. I can point to AOC and, and we'll jump to the story in a second. Everything is racist. But Samantha B clearly doesn't care about this stuff. She's just reading whatever she's told to read. And if you turn the prompter off, she'd stand, she'd stand there blindly, you know, just blankly confused as to what's happening around her because she needs a prompter. 
I doubt she's actually funny without the prompter. I mean, I, I guess maybe she can write her own jokes, sure, but she's just a personality. She doesn't actually know what she's talking about, as, as exemplified by, well, all of this. She says, tying coronavirus to China and Chinese people isn't just a racist dog whistle. It's a whole racist orchestra. It literally started in China, man. Like, dude, it's a mighty, mighty racist boss tone, which brings me to this important point. The coronavirus is not an excuse to be racist. She says, I know racism is like America's weighted blanket. When everything is stressful, nothing makes us feel more secure than treating other people like trash. Treating other people like trash isn't racism. People of all races insult and deride each other. You're just not discovering that people do this. Yet this is the point I'm trying to make with Samantha B. She's just saying whatever she needs to say to get the audience to clap so that the people at home stupid enough to watch Samantha B know when to laugh. Because no, Americans are, are, are you know, they, many of them can be racist. Many of them are mean, but they're equally mean to each other. That's the great American melting pot. It doesn't matter who you are, or what you do. Someone's going to walk up to you and call you an awful name. But I guess not to her. She just needed to pretend like it's racist. This is the stretch of all stretches. You know what I mean? Well, AOC apparently comes out and says, not eating Chinese food is now racist. It's just like, oh, you know what, man? Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claimed Tuesday that Americans are not eating at Chinese restaurants due to the coronavirus, which of course is racist. In a lengthy Instagram live video, Cortez said, honestly, it sounds almost so silly to say, but there is a lot of restaurants that are feeling the pain of racism. Listen, man, if someone said, that New York, uh, uh, that at, at, in New York, there was uh, an outbreak of a, of a disease. And then someone had a New York style deli in Florida. So people didn't want to eat there. Would you call that racism? No, we would call them stupid. Yeah. But it's an issue of, of, of relating a country, a people, an idea, a store. It has nothing to do. Like, look, people were saying apparently they wouldn't drink Corona beer. Is that racist? You know, everything is racist. These people, I'm just so tired of it. And I really, really mean it. The New York Democrat did not provide evidence to corroborate her serious accusation. Meanwhile, Democrats have pounced on coronavirus fears as yet another opportunity to push their narrative that the Republican Party is in the, in the age of Donald Trump is racist. Democrats and media personalities have condemned references to coronavirus as Chinese coronavirus or Wuhan virus, despite the media and Democrats both calling COVID-19 by those names. They started calling. Here's, here's what they do. I see it all the time. The media will say something. Donald Trump will then, you know, a week later be like, oh, did you hear this? And they'll say Trump lied or made it up or he's exaggerating. And I'm like, but that's that's what you did. It was these leftists who were calling it Wuhan virus. Then the Republicans start saying it and they're like, well, it's actually racist to say. It's like, oh, geez. So you're all racist too, I guess. Okay. By your own standards. Come on, cut me some slack. Ryan Saavedra says, Ocasio-Cortez says people are not eating at Chinese and Asian restaurants right now because they are just straight up racist. Okay. In response, Ocasio-Cortez was widely mocked. This is like an SNL parody. She is like literally not aware of like literally much of like anything, like not even the fact there's like literally, okay, we get it. You're making fun of Ocasio-Cortez. No word patroning. And she like is literally clueless as to what racism means. I'm getting rid of some of the likes now. And she's in Congress, literally, Mike Huckabee responded. I um every seven, seven seconds, eight plus ums per minute, 540 ums per hour, 12,960 ums per day, 4.7 million ums per year, someone said. Hi, I'm Rep AOC Super Genius. 
radio host David Webb mocked. Unfounded accusations of racism were not the only thing that Ocasio-Cortez ranted about. Her main topic was the Democratic primary, over which she voiced concern about Joe Biden's growing lead over her favorite candidate, Senator Bernie Sanders. Well, look, in today's day and age, literally everything is racist and there's nothing you can do about it. They just say it. I don't know what it means at this point. Um, I, I used to have an idea of what it meant. The dictionary would tell me. Then they started saying it was power, uh, prejudice plus power. Now it's not wanting to eat at a restaurant because the restaurant is culturally affiliated with a country where the disease started, which is not racism. Because like I stated, if a New York style deli gets it, we just call these people dumb, man. They're not disparaging. Now there have been racist attacks for sure. It's important to call those out. Some Asian dude got attacked, I think in like San Francisco, because people are stupid. Yes, that is racism to assume something about someone based on their race and attack them for it. But to look at a style of food, which can be literally anything, not even Chinese, you wouldn't call one racist and the other not. So it, it is messed up. We're seeing graffiti. We're seeing attacks. We're seeing some real ignorance. But come on, people, calm down. And of course, Samantha B was trying to drag Fox News into this. And she didn't really have anything to do, but she needed to do it because these tribal moron drone NPCs just have to look at Fox News and, and, and hoot and holler, ha, Fox News bad. Okay, dude, you know what? I'm over it. I'm going to wrap this one up. Stick around. I got one more. I got two more segments coming up in a few minutes. I will see you all shortly. Perhaps you just saw my previous segment where they claimed that people who don't eat Chinese food right now are racist because we're going to up the ante. Just when you thought the caricature of the woke left could not get any crazier, I bring you a New York Times editorial board member who did bad math on MSNBC, which everyone ragged on her for and then tried claiming it was racism. That's right. When she got dragged relentlessly for doing math poorly on live national TV, she actually wrote this. My people have been through worse than a Twitter mob. When you're a black woman in America with a public voice, a trivial math error can lead to a deluge of hate. That's right. People weren't yelling at her because she is bad at math and looks really, really dumb. And she's on the board of the New York Times she's on the editorial board. It was just because they're racists. That's the easiest way to explain everything away. It's not your fault. It's just bigotry. Okay. Well, let's read, let's read to the Daily Caller. They say that she received another backlash because she wrote this dumb tweet, this dumb article. New York Times editorial board member Mara Gay drew a whole other round of criticism after claiming that a racist Twitter mob criticized her over uh, an on-air math mistake. Appearing on MSNBC's 11th hour last week, Gay and host Brian Williams engaged in a back and forth about how former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg conceivably could have given every American $1 million with the $500 million he spent on his failed presidential campaign. Both Gay and Williams were predictably raked over the coals. Responding to the backlash, Gay wrote a New York Times op-ed Wednesday, then tweeted it out with the claim that a racist Twitter mob came at her for trivial math mistake. We're here. This is our world. We actually live in this place where you can have a writer for the Washington Post claim that $500 million could give 300 million people a million dollars each. It can't, by the way, gives them about $1.50 or something like that. That tweet then made it through the entirety of MSNBC's production staff all the way to its anchor and a New York Times editorial board member who then just parrot it as though it's true without thinking twice. <laughs> it's so stupid. And then the writer to deflect the criticism claims the only people coming after or, or the, the group of people coming after her are a racist Twitter mob. You know what, man? 
The stupidity here is so off the charts. It's hurting my brain. It's actually, I'm, we, we are all actually getting stupider for hearing about this. Quote, my people have been through worse than a Twitter mob. The headline read above the subheader. When you're a black woman in America with a public voice, a trivial math, math error can lead to a deluge of hate. Unfortunately, quite a few, a few Americans can tell you what it's like to be the target of a Twitter mob over a gaffe, Gay wrote. My great sin was trivial, harmless, silly. What's it like when people are trying to cancel you for a math mistake, weird and maddening and painful? Okay, trivial. I guess, sure, you can call it trivial. But let's just be real. You are supposed to represent the editorial board of the New York Times. These are the people, this, this is the gray lady, the paper of record. We're supposed to turn to the New York Times and to an extent MSNBC for factual information. Now, of course, it hasn't been that way in a long time. But when you see just how bad it really is, I think you deserve to actually lose more than, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not going to say she should be fired over being so dumb, but I'm surprised she was hired in the first place. And this is, is, it's a really bad reflection on the New York Times. They fired a guy at ABC News for telling the truth. In a Project Veritas video, this guy says, yeah, we don't give Trump credit for when he does good things. All we're interested in is, you know, the outrage of the day. And they fired him basically because he had embarrassed the company. He was, he was, he was taking away from their credibility. What happens when this woman says something really, really dumb about the, you know, a simple math problem? She can't do basic division. That makes the New York Times look really, really, really stupid. And we've seen people lose their jobs over honesty, which is sad to me. And this just goes into a long line of stories where we can see just how inept these journalists are, but we're supposed to assume they're bringing us factual information. They're not. Of course, in my case, it wasn't really about math. As anyone who read through my mentions on Twitter or saw my inbox would know, she wrote before listing several examples of racist responses. Numerous Twitter users were quick to say their mockery had absolutely nothing to do with race, particularly because Brian Williams, a white male, received his share as well. John Miller said, a trivial math mistake to the tune of $999,998.56 per person. But tell me more about racism, you shameless hack. Carpe Donctum said, LOL, racist Twitter mob. I literally have no recollection of what you look like. And I would venture to say that if you think that being off by $999,000 is a trivial mistake, I can understand why you are a Democrat. Stephen Crowder says, what are you implying? I don't know what she would be implying other than what she directly said. You're all racists. Robert Barnes, math is racist. Justin Wang says, I didn't know wrong was a race. Bravo. Good, sir. That's probably the best one. Oh, they got me in here. (laughs) I didn't actually say much about it. I just tweeted racist, racist Twitter mob, trivial math mistake. Apparently that warranted enough to be put in. I was just sitting there reading this tweet, dumbfounded as to what she was actually saying racist over a math mistake. I cannot believe it is a caricature of real life. It's or, or, of what these people are. I, I can't. It's like we're living in a parody. I got, you know, and I'm going to tell you this. There was a video I didn't pull up. Maybe I'll pull it up later. The simulation is broken, man. Sarah Palin was rapping a Sir Mix a lot. The monkeys in, in Thailand are fighting in the street because the tourists are gone. Everything is going nuts. I have no idea what's happening. The market is collapsing. And apparently when you do bad math, everyone becomes racist. It's like we are in some kind of twisted simulation where it's all just falling apart. But hey, at least it's not boring, right? Ryan Svedger said, by trivial, she means that she was literally one million times off. (laughs) 
Jerry Dunleavy said it wasn't particularly trivial. And everyone was dunking just as much on Brian Williams, too. Chicks on the right said this is the worst possible way she could have approached this entire fiasco. Seriously. P.S. You are a racist if you racist if you read it and if you don't read it. Brad Palumbo says, of course, racism is always wrong. But dismissing your error as a trivial math mistake is unreasonable. It was an enormous error. Literally fifth grade math was required to adequately understand the wild inaccuracy of the campaign finance error that was made. No, not even fifth grade. We're talking like first grade. Like, I don't know about you, but I was in first grade when I was taught how to do subtraction, how to do division. You know, uh, I, I think most people learn division in first, second grade, right? I mean, I was really young. Well, granted, I was homeschooled a little bit. We knew how to take 500 divided by 300. You do a little line and you put it in and then you do the one, one number at a time. I was in like first grade when we learned that multiplication to division. Apparently, apparently she wasn't. No, what I think it really was, I don't think she was actually paying attention. I don't think her or Brian Williams actually cared to read the tweet. This is the problem of media. I think she knows basic math. I think if you gave her the math problem, she could do it, work it out. What we're really seeing is these people don't actively pay attention. They're living life on autopilot. They walk in like drone NPCs. They don't think twice. Someone says something and they say, yes. And then they're like, and Michael Bloomberg could have given one million dollars. Yes. They're not actually having a real conversation. It's going through the motions to create talking points, to sell ads, and none of them actually care. If anything would be an example of the left and their grifters, it's this. Because if they sat down to actually look at the numbers, they would have been like, that's not true. Instead, they decided just to run with it. They didn't care about it. They didn't even bother fact checking. And I'm surprised I have to say this. But yes, some people, if they had actually fact checked it, then they may have caught the math error. But I'll tell you what, people like me, I guess, and other sane, rational adults didn't need to fact check anything. We just looked at the tweet and said, that's not true. (laughs) That is incorrect. Repeal, uh, this, this person, Kara Davis says, Omara, just stop. The mistake was not trivial. It was ridiculous. And if the response was so racist, then why was Brian Williams also getting slammed mercilessly? Sorry, the race car doesn't get you out of your epic self-induced embarrassment. Shame on you for trying. Dana Lash says race has nothing to do with it. And most people simply mocked it. Um, She she said uh, FTR. It wasn't a trivial area. It was the difference between one million dollars and a dollar fifty. They also mocked Brian Williams, who is a white male. She wrote, a full-on op-ed for the New York Times trying to excuse what had happened to her. And this is so much more pathetic than the mistake itself. You know what, man? When you make a dumb mistake, you go, oh man, am I dumb. Boy, a guy, yep, I deserve it. And if people were like, you're so stupid, I'd be like, yeah, I can't believe it. That was my bad. Instead, she goes, hmm, fine, I was wrong, but you're all racists. Grow up. It is children running these news- these newspapers. And now we're supposed to look at what she writes and take anything she says seriously. If you see this and you go on to assume that the editorial opinion of the New York Times has any weight at all after this, I got a bridge to sell you, man, because these people are about as smart as a box of rocks. They will pass off on every ex- every excuse for their failures and they'll be rightly mocked for it. Here's the best part. She's now likely to claim that the backlash to this article proves the racism. See, when I tried calling out the racism, the bigots came for me, proving that they were racist all along. I, you know, I, I, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Okay, I'm kidding. I, I, I enjoy life. We're having a good time. I got to say, with all of the craziness happening around the world, at least life isn't boring, right? 
This certainly makes things fun, although it is kind of annoying to deal with these kind of people in daily life. And also it's kind of annoying when you realize that there are millions of people who get their information from people like this and they think it's true. What can I say? I guess we're all kind of doomed, but I'll leave it there. Stick around because there's more to come. I got another segment coming up for you in just a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. This is a seriously important update for every American in Europe or anyone who knows an American in Europe. I certainly know some people in Europe right now. They're Americans and I'm advising my friends to get back ASAP, which is also there's a challenge here in that, you know, when the coronavirus stuff broke out and we started pulling people out of quarantine, I was saying that it was probably a bad idea to bring people from quarantine to the United States. The difference now is many of these people in Europe are probably not, you know, sick maybe not infected, but the challenge now, how we effectively deal with this, how do we protect American citizens? Hopefully these countries can protect protect their citizens. But Trump is contradicting Mike Pence and he's saying Americans will not be allowed back in the US if they test positive as the Fed pumps $1.5 trillion into markets to steady the economy. We are looking at a major, major market drop off, not a crash necessarily yet. As of right now, we are down 1,995.83, 8.4% 1,999, 95.83, uh, 8.47%. And we are looking at a similar percentage drop-off like we saw during the Great Recession back in 2008. We can see that there were drops of around 7%, 13, 15. So we're in the 7 to 8% territory right now. All in all, from October 9th, 2007 to March 9th, the market fell 54.1%, a major drop-off. But keep this in mind, It fell down 54%. It rose to 29,000 up until the the coronavirus thing happened. So I think it's fair to say a lot of people are going to get rich very, very quickly, but no one knows where the bottom is. And I'm not a financial expert, but I'll tell you this. If I had a retirement account set up in this stuff, which I don't, I wouldn't do anything. I was reading some advice saying, don't do anything. Just leave it alone because this, it will recover. We will get through this. We're humans and we are resilient. But if you know somebody in Europe, they need to come back now. At least that's my advice. If you're in Europe, turn around, man. On Friday, it's over. They're not going to be allowing people from Europe into the country. And Americans are going to be screened at one of, you know, several different airports. They're going to be scuttled off to specific areas with quarantines set up. They're taking this seriously. The Daily Mail reports President Trump raised fresh questions surrounding his response to the coronavirus on Thursday by saying that Americans in Europe will be tested before before they are allowed to board flights and they will not be allowed to come home if they test positive. A direct contradiction of Mike Pence's claims hours earlier that all Americans can come home regardless of their condition. I don't know if Trump can actually do this. That That might be a violation of the Constitution, but Trump is the commander in chief and there may be under emergency powers the ability to do this. I don't know. It sounds like it might be unconstitutional to me to deny someone access to the country if they're a citizen. I, I could be very, very wrong about this. I guess we'll see. The shocking announcement came after Trump's decision to halt all travel from Europe to the US for 30 days, starting from Friday at midnight, apart from the UK, because he said it doesn't have much infection. There were 596 cases of the virus in the UK. Yeah, so I don't know what the deal is with the UK thing, but it may have to do with Brexit, keeping trade lines open. But all that really matters is you can speculate for whatever reason why the UK is remaining open. And all all you can really say is it's not the most brutal crackdown. It's a Schengen zone crackdown and the UK is is, is open. Sure, whatever. During a press conference with the Irish Prime Minister Leo Varadkar, 
in the Oval Office, Trump said, we are not putting them on planes if they test positive. It is going to be a pretty strong enforcement of the quarantine. He did not explain which tests would be used or where the diagnosed cases would then be treated overseas. It was a direct contradiction to what Pence said. We get it. Foreign nationals or visa holders without permanent residency will not be allowed back in the US from Friday at midnight, aside from people in the UK and Ireland, which has been exempt from the ban. White House expert Dr. Anthony Fauci suggested on Thursday that it was because 70% of the cases seen in the US could be traced back to continental Europe and not the Isles of the UK or, and Ireland, a fact that is yet to be proven. Now, what's really funny is they keep using what Fauci says to smear Trump. But as soon as he says something that agrees with Trump, they say, oh, well, that's not proven. Many of the known cases in the US have had no travel nexus to any of the known coronavirus hotspots in Europe, a fact that is worrying local and state officials as efforts to contain the spread in the US ramp up. Pence offered no context or information about the funnel airports on Thursday as he revealed that there were returning that 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 Thursday as he revealed that that was where okay it was that that the guy that was where returning US citizens would be sent but they are thought to be the 11 bases that were set up to cope with returning passengers from China in February plus two more there has also been no answer to questions over the type of planes the returning passengers will travel on when the US brought citizens home from Wuhan in February at the onset of the outbreak they were put on charter flights but there are no doubt countless more US citizens currently in the whole of continental Europe than there were in Wuhan when the virus erupted and airlines are pulling their flights to the US by the second as a result of the looming ban, right? They're going to lose a lot of money from this, so they're canceling. The 13 airports were set up to be able to house hundreds, if not thousands of uh, in, in quarantine conditions after the outbreak in China. They are Honolulu, Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Atlanta, JFK in New York, Seattle, Washington, D.C., Newark, and Detroit, the two new ones have not yet been announced. Pence repeated previous claims that the government had asked private labs, including LabCorp and Quest Diagnostics, to speed up the production of their tests after a wave of criticism over how long the CDC was taking to get theirs off the ground. But he failed to address some key specifics, including how or if the ban will impact trade and imports from Europe, or how many people will likely become infected in America, despite the drastic new measures. Yes, that's what journalists should be doing. Ask these questions. World health officials have already undermined Trump's plans. They say it will not stop the virus from spreading and that the administration should be focusing its efforts on the healthcare system, which will likely buckle under the strain of the pandemic if it reaches the proportions seen in China and Italy. To date, 1,364 people in America have been infected with the virus and 39 have died from it. Pence's revelation that Americans coming back from Europe would be funneled through one of 13 airports came during his appearance on Fox and Friends. He had already appeared on Good Morning America today and CNN by the time he spoke, but had failed to answer many of the the resounding questions which surround yesterday's announcement. Every American that is returning from Europe will be screened as they return through 13 separate airports and will be asked to self-quarantine for 14 days. It's part of the president's strategy, he said. Asked specifically about families with kids overseas, he went on. I've had kids that have studied abroad as well. We can see here that the number of cases are absolutely spreading. 1,364 in the US now, almost every state. It seems like in the past day or so, the number has slowed down a little bit. But over the past several days, we have seen the doubling of cases over uh, uh, you know, every two days. So let's, uh, let's jump down. In an earlier appearance on Good Morning America, he said there had been some irresponsible rhetoric around the, around the topic, but insisted Trump was taking it seriously. 
The American pe- people should know that President Trump has no higher priority than the health and safety and well-being of the people in this country. We have all known from the beginning the coronavirus would continue to spread across the country. It's one of the reasons President Trump took decisive action to put the health of the American people first, not, not only declaring a public health emergency in January, but that same month suspending all travel from China and quarantining everyone returning from the region. Since then, we've issued travel advisories to Italy, South Korea. But frankly, as we watched the epicenter of the coronavirus shift from China and South Korea to Europe, the president thought it was proper for us to impose a 30 day suspension on all travel from continental Europe. I have to, to, to say, I think it will get worse in Europe. Now, it's possible things taper off like they did in China, depending on the measures that they introduce. But one of the things that's being pushed out by experts is that social distancing efforts are going to reduce the amount of cases. But as soon as those are lifted, the cases will spike again. They're hoping that this will alleviate the, 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 uh, the infection rate so that, it do- so that it doesn't overwhelm the healthcare system. I can't tell you what to expect. What I can say is we are witnessing right now a major market hit. So we can see the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 8.47%, which is serious. It's one of the, I believe it's the biggest drop in history, not percentage wise, but points wise. And as I showed you earlier uh, in the segment, this is what we're looking at here is the Great Recession. We can see that from January to October of 2007, there was a 13% gain. I'm sure a lot of people who got out at that point were very, very happy because following this into January of next year, it fell 7%. Then to June, 13, then November, 15. And it just dropped down from a high of 14 to a low of 7,000. That's, that's absolutely insane. This says it, it dropped. Is it, wait, is it negative, negative seven? Do they mean it dropped seven to 7,000 points? Oh, whoa. No, it dropped from peak to bottom. Wow. It was seriously, seriously bad, seriously bad for the market. Now, I don't know. I don't know much about markets to be able to predict anything for you. I can't tell you. What I can say is I don't know if Trump is going to be absolutely, you know, if this is legit, Trump is saying people are going to be screened in Europe. They're not going to be allowed back in. My only advice is get back soon. But uh, for those in the US, this means the expansion of the of the coronavirus is likely to get worse. And if you haven't prepared for it, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I hope you got your laughs in when I was telling people to order some emergency food, buy food and water and get prepared, because now we're entering some seriously, you know, scary territory. I'm in New Jersey. I'm in the Philly suburbs. And the governor recently announced a ban on all events of 250 people or more. So we're living in it. The lockdown is here. We are in soft quarantine. How long until the hard quarantine hits like China? I don't know, a month? Because China went from December to January, February, hard quarantine. And that's when they got things under wraps. But experts are saying as soon as China lifts these restrictions, the infection rate will go back up again. I think it's only a matter of time before the rest of us are under a hard quarantine. But I'll leave it there. Stay safe. Stick around. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m.